Good afternoon, everyone. We are live here at Silicon Summit, and I'm competing against Tony Robbins right now. Uh, we had Jim Quick, Gary V, Dean Graziosi. And, uh, it's an amazing event here. If you ever get a chance, stop by. It's every year. Uh, but we have equal talent and an amazing issue to discuss with my cohort, Mikey Diamond, solo riding today. Mike, how you doing? I'm amazing. You know, I was telling Raluca, how many six days does Michael Unbroken get? Does he, how many sick days do we like, hey, I'm broken, what's going on? You gotta show up, look at you. <laughs> you gotta show up. Uh, Algie and Franco uh, said the same thing in baseball, but Brad's here and he has a new book and it's quite poignant, The Belonging Rules, uh, Five Crucial Actions That Build Unity and Foster Performance. Um, and it is coming out here uh, very shortly in uh, September 26th. If I'm not mistaken, welcome, Brad, to Office Hours. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, the book came out yesterday. Oh, it's today the 27th. <laughs> so, I don't know where I don't know where the days are going to right now. Oh my God! Everything's flying by. Well, you know, I talk about a unified, abundant system of thought, and to have uh, a pragmatic approach to separation and the interference that it creates, especially aligned with performance, is what excited me most about the book that you've written. How does separation itself uh, create that interference as it aligned with performing well? So what, what, we're, what we're seeing in organizations, and we, we get to work with, with NFL teams, with collegiate teams, with organizations of all kinds, and what we're seeing is, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing this epidemic of loneliness, this disconnect, how people are separated in, inside organizations. And, and our whole practice is about how do, how do, you, how do you get people to, to come together? And that's what really what the rules are, are all about, is to really challenge the existing systems that are in place and the different the, the existing leadership structures that are in place and go head first into some of the challenges and uh, begin to build bridges to a different different kind of future. Brad, did you come from a background where it was the opposite and that's why you're heading in that direction? Because I came from a background, I'm trying to, I try to be inclusive and I do a lot of work with addicts and try to bring community because I never came from that. Is that what motivated you to go in that direction? It's really interesting because I, I, I don't know that I originally started in that direction. Just It was just a natural um there have been a lot of times in my life that i've been on the outside that you know people told me i didn't belong in various ways whether it was in schools or groups or clubs or whatever it was throughout my life i lived my life i built my, my my practice i do what i do um shortly after george floyd i was involved in some real interesting issues with organizations and i was at the table and i had more people look at me and say you don't belong here you don't belong. You're, you're white, you're old, you're fat, you're bald. Every characteristic, here I am, you know, I am what I am. They could have said ugly too, but you know, you, you are, I am what I am. And it was in those moments that it, 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 it and our, our, our work really shifted over the last five or six years. We've been studying belonging for years, but it really changed course in, in, in these conversations. And it became clear that 
the idea of belonging, it takes all of us. It's not a few people who are going to create the future. It's how do we create a system and a structure where we bring people in, even if we don't share their opinions. And so in those conversations, it was clear to me, it wasn't about my difference that was, that was the problem. It was that people wanted to have a voice. They wanted to be heard. And they didn't understand that my perspective was additive to theirs. It wasn't to challenge their ideas. It was to add. And so that's really where this was all birthed in those early conversations, 3,500 conversations in an early project. And from that point, we've had organization after organization, the challenging social, societal, political issues that they're facing, the teams that we work with, the same kind of thing, what's happening in the locker room, in the boardrooms, there's just challenge. And so that it's, we've kind of been called into this space and it's what we naturally do. And I love it. And uh, your definition or description of self, I resemble that. So I feel your uh, pain and uh, inclusion. Uh, speaking of inclusion, though, it's interesting because it doesn't happen in the context of the group itself. It really requires great leadership. And I know in your book, you talk about different crucial actions that we could take. And I assume being a leadership expert like you are in your previous book as well, dealing with leadership, what are some of the key components or actions that leaders can take in order to facilitate a comfort level with bringing us back to this unity and inclusion? So, I mean, it, it starts with the idea of, of what we think, what we, we talk about as a human-centered leader. Uh, there, it's, it's time for leaders to adopt a different kind of leadership mantra. How do we invite people in? How do we think about creating spaces where leaders can, we can disagree with each other. I mean, that's, that's the world we live in. It's okay to disagree, but a safe space and, and, a, and a structure. How do we come together on things that are shared importance? So it's getting back to some basics and, and that, that, that human-centered leader. But it really goes to the rules of the book, you know, how we, how we encourage leaders to turn into the power. There are power structures in every organization. Sometimes they're obvious and sometimes they're not. What are those structures? Too often we're circumventing. We're going around instead of taking the time, being courageous to ask the questions, allow us to get a little bit deeper. And so that's about turning into the power. We talked about listening without labels. It's belonging rule number two. Listening without labels, we've become a society that labels you're this, you're that, you know, it, and part of it is a psychological need to distill ideas to their simplest form so that our brain can process and then we can respond. We have to seem so smart in our responses as opposed to just listening, listening with humanity, asking questions, trying to understand perspective. And so we really, we really encourage leaders to move away from that idea of labels. The third one is identity over purpose. This is an active choice that leaders have. You know, take a football team. Most football teams have the same purpose, win championships, do good for the community. And what we're telling people is there's a broader construct. What are the values? What are the behaviors? What are the characteristics? The identity construct. The other two are... 100% of the truth. We live in a time organizations are not encouraged to tell the truth. In fact, the highest performing organizations tell 80 to 85% of the truth. 
And so one of our rules is how do we get, how do we close that gap, close that 15% gap? Because it's critical. Those are the issues that are holding us back. And finally, how do we challenge everything? Challenge is such a part. We're in a society that social media will cancel us, will get erased. But the reality is the challenge, the art of challenge is a creative art. How do two people come together to create something better? And so those are some of the rules that we like to share, some of the things that leaders can do to actively change their leadership and their organizations. And that reconciliation that occurs between the leaders, the organizational levels that are defined, seeing who stakeholders are, but also I think having a vision uh, like you do, Brad, of empowering the future leaders as well and making sure that they are identified with different types of people. It can't just all be middle-aged, fat, balding, white people, uh, men. Uh, we have to change the narrative and change the pipeline because our bench is deep with great talent, great skills, and great knowledge. Brad, we will have you back. Everyone, yesterday it launched, uh, now that I know what day it is, Belonging Rules, which I think is a wonderful concept, not just in the corporate setting, but in life in general. Find out how to be a leader to create change by creating unification for everyone and inclusion for everyone. Thanks, Brad, for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Thanks for inviting me in, making me feel like I belong. Grateful for you both. <laughs> we'll have you back. Don't worry. Thank you. you I love belong. it. <laughs> All right. Well, we have more people to include. Jessica is waiting patiently for us. The founder and CEO of Source. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, David. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining. I, so, you know, you're joined by some of the greatest thought leaders in the world here. I'm at the Silicon Slope Summit, and you're competing with Tony Robbins in the background. So hopefully you can <laughs> hear me. <laughs> uh, not too bad. Uh, but Source's community round uh, that you're creating today, uh, once again, uh, creating a, a great place uh, for intuitive, compassionate people uh, to provide support uh, as well. Give me a little bit of background on the campaign that you're running now and uh, how we can be supportive of it. Well, first off, thank you for even being willing. Um, Source is a health technology company, and our mission is to solve the human energy crisis at scale. And we have a very unique recipe um, that we go about solving that problem. We use biometrics and psychometrics um, and couple coaching that maps to people's energetic needs. So in one minute a day, you take your finger to your camera and you get a, what's called a heart rate variability assessment. Based on that assessment, we can understand um, how recovered you are from the prior day's stress and how much capacity you have on the day to handle challenge and demand. When you start to time your efforts with a lot more precision, you can uh, unlock latent potential and also avoid um, all of the fallout associated with burnout. And so we have been a self-funded organization. We have not taken venture funding yet because what we are creating is 
not just about regenerating human energy, we are creating a regenerative business. And it's very important that we ramp up at a rate that the, the whole system can um, kind of relax into. So venture capital has its place. It's for hyper growth. Right now, we're still, um, I would say, in a adolescent stage of the company. We know our mission. We know why we're here. But we aren't ready to pour gasoline on it. And so we're opening up the opportunity to the greater community um, that really aligns with the overall mission, the plan, and the team, which is exceptional. I love how you said that because you don't want to get burnt out making an app as tries to calm you down to redo your energy, right? Otherwise, you get too much energy in frequency and you blow your own app up and you're like, wait a second, we're all stressed out. It's like the conundrum. It's, like- it's been such, you're, you're right, Mike. It's been like such an interesting paradox to live through. You know, it's like, of course, we want to accelerate and grow. But if you kind of honor, um, the natural bell curve of, of growth and the science of stress, the, the timing of the expansion really, really matters. And you have to stay attuned to that. Other, otherwise, become a hypocrite of the very you know, problem you're trying to solve. So I have a question. So how do you find that, that middle ground where it's like I do intervention, so I can't take on other people's pain or I yes. can't help them heal, right? I've got to heal myself. So what's yeah. the fine line in you intuitively Oh. to know when to push, when to pull, and when to pause? How, what, what, what's your radar? How do you do that? So physiologically, have you worked with heart rate variability before, Mike? Yeah. You have? And what has been your experience so far? Well, it works for me because I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it works. I, I follow that stuff because it really, I know when, and I, but I know myself when I'm off as well. I know my sleep. I know my patterns. I have to have colitis. And I heal myself naturally. So stress, I can't live in stress hormones. Otherwise, I'm out. I flare. And I, do, I don't take drugs or anything. So I understand the frequency. I use self-edrogy frequencies when I meditate to make sure everything's aligned, my chakras. So the, what you're doing is groundbreaking. I'm yeah. just trying to work out how you don't rush. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm also, uh, I've been a yogi for 25 years. I own a yoga studio here in Venice. I have to walk this talk. Otherwise, again, it does not progress the greater regenerative movement. So um, how do I stay attuned? Of course, I use the Source app. But the important part for people to understand is it isn't just about the HRV. To your point, you also have to understand your psychometric profile to understand how your profile handles what's called allostatic load and the challenges that you face on a daily basis. Each personality type responds to these things different. Different. So if like you're a helper, you have a higher propensity for burnout because of all of that open-hearted compassion fatigue. So the medicine to the imbalance that happens in the helper is to prioritize needs, your needs first, always in effort to help the whole and you don't have the same profile as, as everybody else but it's so important for you and me because i'm the same it's so important for us to really click in if we want to be of service it always starts here and then based on the overflow 
<laughs> it can ladder out far and wide, but to live this degree of energetic integrity is what is up right now. Like this is how we make the paradigm shift from this mechanistic robotic one speed way of living and working into the living system paradigm that really holds all the things that you know people like us here truly desire. Beautiful. Yeah. And you host a show called The Knowledge Edge and yeah. really bring an eclectic group of people into understanding this type of work, how we can create a easier, and I say an ease of the future, identifying the disease. And one of the things that gathered, by the way, Mike and I would love to come on there, by the way. It's right up our alley. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> let's go. Um, let's do it. But in the context of identifying disease and you're capable of identifying mental, spiritual, emotional disease uh, predicated upon our genetic and energetic inheritance. Mm. And I, it, it is a tough combination to solve. Uh, mm. But listening to conversations of these eclectic individuals, you start to realize that human nature has its constants and its variables. Yeah. I was just curious, you've done all of yours. I haven't listened to all of them uh, from scientists to renegade, you know, just really interesting people. What have you found to be the constant in human nature that helps us to identify dis-ease and just back to ease? Ooh. Okay. So this is a regenerative principle um, and it's all about working with uh, convergence and divergence to unlock emergence. So it is all about the constant that we need to embrace is that it's not supposed to be same, same all the time. Like on the whole, you have a lot of convergence, which is kind of that, that I would say more uh, familiar state that all of us can find ourselves in. But divergence is so important when let's say there's conflict. I, I think even your your prior guest was speaking about how leaders can become greater by tolerating differences. This is where the gold is. And the edge cases of life hold a lot of um, value for us um, when building a bridge into the future. And so all I would say is that the constant that I see is that all of these brilliant thinkers that have come on the novel edge, they had a significant moment of divergence and where what they knew was in conflict with what was coming through and their capacity to sit with that is what unlocked innovation, is what unlocked the new path. And so developing a personal practice to be able to energetically hold for flavors and textures that are unknown is like super important when architecting um, a vital future. Amazing. Well, we appreciate everything that you're doing. I am limited in uh, exactly. I, I can't wait to, to learn more of that. But you are doing a community round on WeFunders. Yes. So I wanted to make sure people go there support you for you know this incredible important work i know they can go to jessicacorbin.com but is sure. there a place for the wefunder campaign yes if you go to wefunder.com slash source s-o-r-c-e you will find your way there and again david i really appreciate 
you taking the time. I got to you through Ellie Gould, um, who I've spent some, some time with. So I hope that this continues. And Mike, for the little bit I got of you, more please, more please. Yeah, we'll have you back. And we appreciate your patience with Tony Robbins screaming in the background. So hopefully oh, it hasn't Tony. interfered too much. <laughs> but I'd rather be here. I chose Jessica Corbett over Tony Robbins right now. Thanks for coming on Office Hours. We'll have you back. And we look forward to coming on uh, your show as well. So check out uh, The Novel Edge. Wonderful. Thank you both. Thank you. All right. We are awesome. on time and flying here at Silicon Slope Summit. Come and join us. Lori is in the wings, uh, hopefully. If not, oh, he is. Look at that. And I'm very punctual. You're, me too. Time is my love language, so... I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I love you for being on time. <laughs> I don't. Thank you. Oh, good. Oh, you know, I I see the solo salons uh, all over the place and have seen them forever. And the growth has been extraordinary. But it seems to me that you guys were kind of the successor to the pop-up shop, but in your own space. And understanding the utility of space with knowledge and desire to create a more effective manner of providing services specifically uh, in health and beauty uh, at salons and then added uh, the Woodhouse spas. The Woodhouse spas were before uh, solar salons. Is that correct? Well, they've been around as, as long, but it's just a slower uh, growing brand. It, it's a more, uh, specific market it doesn't have the the ability to to scale the way sola does but it has its own benefits in that way and so, i've been blessed oh go ahead mike no 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 i was no, gonna no, say no. i was gonna ask a franchising question um you know done right franchising to me is one of the most mutually beneficial entrepreneurial platforms that are available to people that are looking for a way to have the excitement of entrepreneurship, but with the stability of a, pro a proven model. Um, and your growth has been extraordinary. Uh, what is the business atmosphere today with franchise sales, uh, especially in the health and beauty uh, space? Well, the health and beauty space is a phenomenal category in franchising because it's not going to become elite, um, sorry, obsolete because of technology. People need right. personal services. You know, Amazon's not coming to color my hair anytime soon. So the, the personal services are, are a great area for, for franchising. And, and for Sola, one of the things that's so great about Sola as a franchise, we don't only just encourage entrepreneurs to open solas, but as an owner, you're helping people become entre entrepreneurs by leasing their own studios and running their own businesses. I love it. So you started your career in the film and TV business. I did. Right? Yeah. Right, so yeah. So taking that experience, because a lot of people don't understand that, you, you then now went into the franchise business. Can you talk about how you made that transition and the experience from one area has helped you be successful in the other? 
Yeah, that's that's yeah. It's been a while since I've thought about that transition because I've been around a long time, so I've had a long career. But uh, I was always in some sales-related industry, and in in film and television, a lot of it was was uh, advertising sales and things like that. And I, I was working with a small franchisor to try to get them to take some advertising. And I jokingly made a comment about where they were located, that I would be a mile away if I worked for them. And, and then they said, well, do you want to come and work for us? You don't have to know anything about franchising, but you have to know about connections and people. And, and so anyway, that was how the transition came. And I'm so grateful that I ended up in this, in this industry. Amazing. And what's going to happen? We talked about how it's recession-proof, technology-proof, uh, which is why we probably see more and more of it. Um, where does the competition lie when you have such a solid system in place that there's more and more people that want to, uh, I assume, lease the spots, uh, and there's more and more people that want to utilize the services? Where do you see any competition coming in and you have the strongest brand in the spot and you kind of built the model. The competition for Sola um, uh, yeah. in that category. Yeah, and we do have competitors and it's flattering because uh, you know people saw that this was a genius idea for a franchise, this property management business. But uh, so to, to stay ahead of our competition, we have always put our beauty professionals first. Our, our whole goal is to provide them tools and resources. And we have things that none of our competitors can offer because of our scale and because we're almost 700 locations. We have a huge marketing budget that allows us to create technology and other tools that the beauty professionals can use to help them grow their businesses. Oh yeah, so I was, was going to just ask about, about the Woodhouse Spa side of it. I know you're entering the Canadian market. Uh, what is the differentiator between the spa side and the salon side? Well, uh, we're entering Canada with Sola, but not yet for Woodhouse. Okay. Yeah, so Woodhouse, we're, and, we're growing in the U.S. But the Woodhouse Spa model is the same property management type of model? No, Woodhouse is more like a spa. It, it, it's it's going to a luxury spa like at a Four Seasons or a place you'd go on a vacation, but accessible in your neighborhood. So where you might not have to travel to go to a, a high-end hotel for that kind of spa experience, Woodhouse is going to give you that, but, but locally. So it's a traditional spa. And how many how many franchises do you have of the Woodhouse Spas? Uh, we have eighty two open now, and uh, we have about ten, maybe fifteen under development. I'm sorry to interrupt, my too. Um, I assume because of the property management side, then that they usually are partnered together. Is that correct? Are they at the same location uh, at Sola Salon? At different, totally two different brands, two different models. Uh, the the square footage size is similar, but uh, Woodhouse has a, a team, estheticians, massage therapists. They have a general manager. Sola has no on-site employees because the people, the beauty pros, are not your employees. They are your tenants, really, if you will. It's an amazing business. 
Lori, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you back. I want to learn more about this. Yeah. I know my wife is my, my wife is a uh, consumer and uh, a fan as well. There's like three by my house. I don't know okay. how they, they survive. So, well, she likes uh, spa. We'll get her into a wood house for an experience too. So yeah, we're, to. we're in Southern California. So let me know. It'd be wonderful. Uh, okay, and, I will. Uh, we will have you back. Thank you, Vice President of Franchise Sales at Solar Salons and Woodhouse Spas. Go to solarsalonstudios.com. Laura Merrill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Awesome. So Wow. Got, All right. We'll keep it quick aged, for you. Two middle-aged guys. We're, we, we're, we're try, trying to hang on today. So uh, we're talking about inclusion. Thank you for including us, Mike. And thanks for including yourself today. I know we both have family obligations. So I want to quickly take away of the day. You know, it's really good you said inclusion. The one thing that I've learned is, and you do it so well, you've actually taught me some stuff very pragmatically, that when we meet someone, we meet them where they're at. And we can't have, like, these uh, preconceived notions, the color, the race, whatever. We just meet them where they're at. And I think that's something that came from me. It's just accepting people where they're at. Do you know what I mean? And being able to sit in that and build a bridge from there in the right direction. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes there's going to be friction, but that's okay. As long as we can be calm and, you know, learn our energy and then, and help people from there. Yeah, and it's funny for me because the takeaway is ease versus dis-ease. And, you know, whether it's the ease of us working together, playing together, participating together with belonging rules, or whether it's the energetic genetic inheritance of being at ease and, being able to identify the multivariable approach of, you know, actual physical and emotional disease. And then at the higher level, like luxury ease, you know, sometimes we just need to be pampered. Uh, we want to look good. We, we want to go to the spa and do all of these other things. Uh, and so I thought there was like a layered message today or takeaway about, hey, let's identify at the time necessary it's putting us at disease, and whether it's our inclusion or whether it's the energetic genetic side of energy and you know that biochemical, bioanatomical, like you face with your physical disease, or whether it's the other side that you know what I just want to be put at ease with a massage or a haircut or my nails or whatever else uh, we do to pamper ourselves dis-ease versus ease, try to figure out how we can put ourselves more of the time at ease. Being on office hours with you for all these years has put me at ease, even when we both have many activities to prioritize. I want to thank you, Michael Diamond, always being there, always showing up from the beginning. The incredible Mike Diamond, check him out, a dose of positivity, change your life, change the way you look at things, read that book, you can find him. Mike Diamond, thanks so much. Be safe, Dave. Love you, mate. You got it, brother. All right, everyone. We're going to be flying back from Utah into Southern California. Email me, davidmeltzer.com. We're going to be in Orlando in New York next week. We'll be in San Diego with Drew Brees. We'll be in Mexico City, Tom Brady, Chicharito. We're going all over Orlando, Houston. If you want to find out where we are, go ahead, join our text community, get alerted. Uh, we will be doing a meetup in New Jersey at Propellify. If you need a ticket for Propellify, Reach out to me, 949-298-2905.
I want to thank all these people here at Silicon Slope Summit. Please join us. We're traveling all around. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us.